0: everyone welcome to another episode of the third estate podcast so anton uh, we finished the week off with the SP up just barely about 70 basis points um, with the first and second and third communication services consumer discretionary and real estate and actually some of the laggards on the utilities and healthcare. care uh, what are your thoughts with just what we experienced this week um, and everything going on
1: um, you know, for, for the week, it felt like uh, just kind of like another week to me. Um, you know, I had a lot of uh, a lot of positions that seemed to be going up, but it wasn't I didn't have any big moves. You know, a friend of ours, he's still in the uh, the AMC GameStop uh, mania. He has some a- an AMC position and that did very well. Uh, very, very well.
0: But I'm going to, I'm going to fully admit on that one. I'm surprised how long that is lasting. You know, I thought it would have once the, once the peak reached and we came back down that we would have basically kind of stopped there for a while and then people just leave. But I'm surprised how long it's actually lasted.
1: Right. I, I think, I think it's, um, there's a lot of commitment there. I, I, I think this goes back to, and this is less of a, because you would ask me a second ago about my view on the week. The week felt very, just, you know, chugging along. But when I zoom out a little bit further than just a week, um, there's a lot of things that have happened that uh, I would say in the last month or last quarter that feel more uh, volatile. And I would say, I don't know the right word to use here, but just um, janky, you know, just very, uh, very weird in the market, Um, a lot more volatility and just things aren't operating the way you would expect. And uh, I think that's a byproduct of the amount of money that's now in the system is you have certain things that just no rhyme or reason are going up or going down or going down and then up, it just, it's just moving, um, in a weird way. So,
0: um, I mean, that's markets for you, right? Like if ever anyone could accurately predict where prices would fluctuate, then they would just be making money nonstop. And I mean, it's, it's funny. You're talking about the, the environment where we're in. So, uh, I was talking to a colleague about, you know, where I think we're almost over, we've we've kind of finished this first quarter of of earnings reports. And uh, there's been some stats out there that about one hundred and eighty seven mentions of inflation uh, from earnings conference call uh, of s and p companies between March fifteenth and may twenty fourth. right? and if if you look at some of the data, I was looking at the the Google Trends analytics, the term inflation in regards to search like really peaked and really just got into a, uh, what do I want? I'm trying to think of the word. It's just r- really amplified at the beginning of this month of, of May. Right. And we did see some of that volatility uh, at the beginning of the month. And yeah, as you mentioned, right. I mean, comparatively to the past couple weeks that we've had this week's been pretty, I don't want to say man, cause every week's interesting, but in regards to volatility in the markets, not, not not much, felt seeming. other than i guess the big news really was kind of on the media side at least was more towards the the crypto space and the is bitcoin and crypto going into this bear market since you're having elon musk and then china coming out with with their tweets or news reports of of uh being a downside on on crypto at least initially last week
1: right i mean you know this this podcast is is pretty new and we we i think we've dedicated definitely a some time to crypto in the first couple of episodes um and when we talked about it then we were talking about the inflation hedge a little bit and what's going on and and it is interesting that especially bitcoin has taken definitely a drop uh, recently here and there's been some other stocks uh, not well crypto isn't a stock Bitcoin isn't but some stocks that have been flying high have also pulled back um, and I think we're now seeing inflation in the market uh, and that's something we've talked about that was coming and you're starting to see that and when I say the market um, I mean the real economy right uh, you know I, I've talked to you a little bit recently about, you know, I have some former coworkers workers who uh, are, they worked for Oracle and, you know, Oracle is moving to Texas and I've heard stories about some of them going to Texas to buy homes and buying, looking at new builds. And they were basically told that we can't price your home because we only have 30 days supply of materials and the prices of materials are climbing so rapidly you know, on a relative basis to to norms that they don't know what the prices are going to be when it comes time to build the home. And so they can't, you know, they're going, they're saying, hey, you can agree to buy this house, but we can't quote you a price, which is ridiculous, right? That is not a normal function of the real estate market. Um, And it's not just uh, raw materials when it comes to buying homes. There's, you're starting to see it in the food sector, right? Uh, If you go to buy, go to the supermarket, look at what fruit and eggs and meat uh is costing you today and think back to what you were paying let's say a year ago you know or a couple years ago it's, it's definitely gone up so um this is a byproduct of printing the amount of money that we have been doing so
0: no and i'd, I'd agree with you i mean if you're just looking at some of the the areas of where we've seen a lot of growth, I mean commodities for one, just in regards to wood, right? Wood uh, or lumber, lumber, timber, uh, what else? Copper has been spoken about a lot. And now we're talking about going into, there's some chatter I've been reading about going into, or the potential that we're in a, uh, what do they say? A a semiconductor, semi-chip mega cycle or something like that, Right. right? And it's, uh, I mean, if you're looking at it relative to how we were a year ago when we were having this mandatory, these mandatory lockdowns on a global basis, I mean, to some areas I, I can understand where we've seen a lot of return in, in certain areas of the market, but some of these other sectors, right, or positions, GME and, and AMC, like we were talking about, right, it's... I, I'm curious and I would love to see if there were some stats or something of the other sort of holdings that some of these people have within their portfolios. So to give you an example, right, I have a friend um, who's also uh, following the the GME trade and he's all in. And when I say all in, literally like all in his his entire portfolio, what you would classify is in GME stock. And to me, to us, that's ridiculous, right? Like I've been trying to tell him that's crazy, like really all in GME um, for, for something that I can't really understand the fundamentals of that kind of price point. And I'm curious though, him I know just our conversations, right, but I'm curious though, on if you're looking at a portfolio of, I don't know the mean or the average individual who's participating in these AMC, GME trades. Do they also own crypto? And is are are they really? I'm just curious. Are they really momentum? You know, uh, in traders, in the fact that they just read what's happening in the news or what's trending on Reddit or their social media, and that's kind of how they're allocating their portfolios. So not only are we having these kind of advertisements that we see constantly bombarded in TV, the internet, social media, not just for consumer products, but actually for, I guess you want to say, trading products, right? Go into and it's it's been crazy. I mean, I see anytime I go on social media, there's a either a crypto thing uh, like Crypto.com, not picking on them or anything, but or some sort of. I just saw earlier on Facebook when I was doing or looking at a post, there's a wine investing company trying to get individuals to invest in different uh, bottles of wine as, as collector's items and coming into that. Right. Curious. What are your thoughts on basically our society becoming more digital dependent and, the evolution of our financial markets kind of having this other arm of of not just the traditional investment or asset classes, right? Of stocks, mutual funds, bonds, fixed income. But now we're actually we've bled out to cryptocurrencies. And I mean we've had Forex I've, there's of course more, but now there's cryptocurrencies. Now I just mentioned right there's there's wine. Now you can buy shares or equity positions and collectors items like sneakers and arts. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, as you know, I'm a, I'm a proud American and I believe in freedom. What so does that have I, to do? <laughs> <laughs> What's my question? I, I believe, I believe that people should have the, the freedom to invest their money, how, how they want, Right. Now, I think, I think it's American good to believe that. Just saying. I mean, hey, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to restrict people because what they what these at the end of the day, it's not that they don't they, they want what's best for people, but they think, hey, this person uh, doesn't know what they're doing and I need to protect them from themselves. Now, I agree with that first part that there's a lot of people that don't know what they're doing. Right. But I don't think it's it's the government's job or a regulators job to go you know going back to the whole the beginning of that gme and Mm -hmm. the gamestop and the um uh amc trade uh when they were restricting people from blowing up the the hedge funds and and the short and they were just it was going up to the moon right i don't think that they should be doing that
0: just going up to the moon yeah i i would not in a um, hundred years thought you would use the reddit terminology but continue
1: I mean, I would not, I don't think, I don't, I do, I just don't think that the government and those, um, the custodians should have been allowed to do what they did. However, I do think that what people were doing and are doing on the whole is stupid, right? So, you know, your, your friend that you were talking about where you said his portfolio, I mean, you did call him a traitor, which that's what he is. He's a traitor. He's, uh, but I wouldn't call it a portfolio at this point. I'd call it um, a bunch of chips. You know, he's a gambler, right? So he's putting money into GameStop and he's gambling. And um, I, I, so I I guess it's a two part answer. I think it's a good thing that we're becoming digital. And I, I think it's a good thing that people are being able to, are able to diversify what they're doing from an investment standpoint. But at the same token, I think if you are going to do that and you're going to allow people, which they should allow people to do what they want, the problem is, is we've talked about this before, is when those people get burned, which a lot of them do, not all of them, but a lot of them do, we need to get away from the moral hazard of bailing those people out, right? Because when we see all this behavior in the markets of stuff that just does not look right and you have investments going up, Just crazy valuations or people, you know, all these different cryptocurrencies that are being created and and blowing up like Dogecoin. You know, I think that that's blown up since we did our last podcast and it's still up there pretty high. I mean, that that crypto was created as a joke. Right. And now we see where it's at and how much it's valued. You only get stuff. You only get uh, scenarios like that in a market that is. Severely overvalued and has too much liquidity. There's too much cash floating in the system. So now, when you have too much cash floating in the system, people are looking around for anything to make an investment and make money. And when you combine that with the fact that we've had years now of people basically throwing money almost anywhere and making money, there's no discernment between, you know, option A is a good investment and option B is a bad one. It's just they're all quote unquote good uh to to many people in their eyes and then when it you know at some point people are gonna start to get burned and that's we don't know when that's gonna be but we're starting to see a more difficult environment um at least from a business standpoint I think with, with what we see with inflation. So I don't know if that okay. kind of answered your question the way you wanted it to, but
0: no I mean you it seems like more you explained right of the the causation or one of the causations for this kind of environment that we're that we're in and uh one of the things i want to call you out on is a you don't have to be american to believe in free markets if you really want to go that route you should probably be a citizen of like vanuatu or something like that where the government is very laxed on whatever you want to invest in and trade
1: on wait, wait what's, um, this, what's the country you just named so the listeners can hear
0: Ranuatu?
1: Is that a real country? What is that?
0: Yeah, it's a country. What do you mean? What is that? It's a country. Never heard of it. <laughs> we'll do some research on how do you, how you could potentially reduce your taxation. But of course, as a U.S. citizen, we're tied to okay. the laws and, and taxes here, no matter where you are around the globe. Fun fact, folks, uh, make,
1: not fun on that. Standpoint. Make sure we'll have you, uh, ask about that. Make sure you give me, um, give me the spelling off, off air here. um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'll I'll give you I'll give you another example and I want to get your uh, uh, perspective on this. So, you know, a lot of the news has been well, actually, I'm going to give you two little tidbits. Um, So recently they came out with a story, I think it was on CNBC to begin with, and then it went on Yahoo, I think. And uh, they talked about how last year was the first year ever that California's population went down okay it went it was negative growth so we know that those the people of on, California on that real quick on that are they considering
0: like birth when within the state or are they talking about the difference between like people uh coming into the state and people leaving the state
1: well, I want to say it was both because I think I think it in, because I think they're saying that California is in line to lose a congressional house seat, and I don't think that they would do that if the population had gone up, but obviously was net negative in terms of people. Let's say it was net negative in terms of people going coming in versus going out, but obviously with births.
0: You know, it would yeah, because I don't know, man. California is a big state, so to I mean, like, uh, to say that you're you're net negative considering birth I'm, I'm and people sure. migrating huge, into the state,
1: I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a huge percentage. It was just that Calif. I'm pretty sure California's population um, went down in uh, 2020. Let me let me do a quick Google search. I think I'm gonna go with that though. Yeah, it says here, a quick Google, California's population fell by more than 182,000 people in 2020. Uh, That looks like that's coming from an ABC article. So, you know, obviously we know that they're going all over the place. You know, we're hearing other states complain about it because, uh, you know, they're going to states like Texas, Nevada, Tennessee, Georgia, and they're going everywhere, right? And they're basically turning every state that they move to into like a mini Los Angeles, right? Um, I think Bozeman, I heard a, a story that they're calling Bozeman, Boz uh, Angeles, right? So I want to get your take on that because to me, California is as the best weather in the, in the union. It's, it's by far, it should be the best state to live from an environmental standpoint because we have warm weather, no humidity, you have the ocean, you have mountains, you know it's a mild climate. It's just a great place from a weather standpoint to live, and there is no reason why people should be leaving the state. Ideally, right? We know that these people are leaving for legitimate reasons. So, uh, and it's because it's well, yeah, harder taxation and cost of living. Like right, it's getting harder to live here. Boom. Yeah, but but what does that say about the economic situation? Uh, and what do you foresee? Because I'm going to tie this into I have a friend in Nevada who is who he said he bought a house um, for uh, just over five hundred thousand uh, dollars a couple of years ago and that he's in a position to sell it for over a million. And this is in in Nevada. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Nevada, Nevada's real estate has always been cheap. Uh, relative sure. to, I
0: mean, I've looked to, last year Yeah, from to Vegas.
1: relative to California. I mean, and it's still cheaper than California, uh, largely, but it's, it is the difference is, is narrowing. And so I think that that is a reflection of one, all the people that are moving there from California, but two, the inflation that we talked about. Right. So I think that there's going to be a huge, there already is a huge economic shift uh, within the country, and um, I think some of these states that people moved for economic reasons, it's, it's almost like the, the reasons that they moved are going to disappear, right, before they even get there to really truly settle, or when they get there, because if you're bu- if you're moving to Texas to, to buy a house for less, but everybody in your neighbor from California is doing that, and they're driving up the price of real estate, then the whole point of m- making that move in the first place is it might well, there's still gonna be a hurt. balance
0: for everything. Right. Cause I mean, I think Texas a majority and it's, it's interesting. I was just speaking to a couple They're They're originally from, I believe Dallas, Texas, and you know, their taxes primarily come from property, right. Yep. Property taxes. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, in, in that standpoint, that's kind of what led to how California is in the situation it is now, right? A large, as you mentioned, is a beautiful, beautiful state, uh, great weather, uh, great culture, in my opinion, all spread all across, right? You do have agriculture, you have entertainment, you have tech, you have a a lot of industries within the state itself. The thing is, you also had have a lot of people, a big population, a lot of people that came into the state. And so, of course, with different sorts of government services and such, well, it makes sense that it's one of the, the highest, highest tax rates out there, right? Um, and you have to pay that in order to maintain residing in there. To, to your point on people uh, migrating out and going into other states, I mean, it's not just other states that they're going to, right? There are expats that we had, I think, what, record number last year of people either renouncing their U.S. citizenship or uh, and leaving the country. Um, but but to your point uh, in regards to the states, I mean, yeah, you'll eventually get to a point where that benefit will not be as great as... If everyone is going to the same place, let's say everyone who's leaving California is going to Texas, then yes, eventually it will get to a point that Texas will have to implement some changes, right? Or maybe they will find a way to increase their revenue and it's no longer property taxes. Maybe they just increase their sales tax or something like that, right? I mean, you're seeing that even in Seattle, right? When I first moved into Seattle and Seattle has grown a lot especially with the expansion of Amazon, Microsoft, right? You have Boeing, you have a lot, it's a, it's another tech hub area. And I mean, you've seen that with the Silicon Valley. So if taxation come picks up and I think even Seattle, just to give you an idea, I don't know if it's actually passed, but once in a while I'll see that there's legislation being put out there to increase taxes because there's no state income tax right now. But I, from what I last recall, um, the, local government has, is trying to potentially impose, I'm not sure if it's passed. I don't think it has. Impose a an income tax on individuals who make, I think it was like 250 thousand or more a year. Right. Um don't quote me on that. This is from some of the stuff I'm reading. I'm pretty sure it hasn't passed, but anything. But yeah, when you have people migrating to a specific area, eventually it will get to a point where those benefits are not as great as when you've originally moved there. Then The nice thing I think that we have right now is, well, what we're, we're seeing too is there are people who are going into the Midwest, right? Because there is a lot of, of room there. But you're also seeing states. Uh, I remember last time I was actually like watching TV, like actual TV with commercials of like Idaho or Iowa putting – commercials and ads saying hey this is a great state to be for business come over here if you want to grow your business great people all that kind of stuff so eventually i think if the populations do get to you know a certain threshold some taxes or something needs to be implemented to maintain the the services that those municipalities and states provide
1: if, See, if but that I, was your well uh, Kind of. I mean, I actually kind of disagree with that last part about they need to implement increased taxes to maintain the services. I think the bigger issue is that we know that the inefficiencies of the government spending money are there. Right. So I was more speaking to, yes, there's there's the real estate issue of you know, you're driving up real estate prices. So let's say you're a local Texan, right? And you have all these Californians moving into your state and blowing up the price of real estate. Your The Texas economy was not constructed. And what I mean by that is is just in um, the way the markets work with each other. I'm not saying the government constructed it, it's just the, you know, the markets, Um They're not built to handle especially a huge influx, right? They're not prepared for that. And I think the mistake that's going to happen is exactly kind of what you're saying, where they feel like the need to raise revenue because you're going to have people moving there that are having to leave California for a set number of reasons, cost of living, you know, just doing business, all these reasons that people have to leave California and they're not taking a second and saying, why am I having to leave California? Oh, it's because I made it almost impossible for myself to live with certain decisions being made. And now they're going to go to those states and make those same decisions instead of learning from that. So I think the key would be, yes, you're going to have a real estate bump that will be tough for some people, but if, as long as that's all that happens is that real estate gets more expensive, but you don't basically start taxing yourself to death, then, you know, then it could end up being okay. But I think that's the, the bigger, the bigger issue at play there. Um, That's not going to be, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that's what, what should happen. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting too, what you said about some of these States that are almost vying for businesses to come there. And I almost, I'm torn on that because yes, if you have, if you, if you recruit businesses to come to your state, right, your economy will initially flourish, I think in the short run, but, Overall, for the citizens of those states, will it benefit them to have too much business come to those states? That's a question I I wonder about there as well.
0: Oh, that's just because you want to be in a location where no one bothers you and you just have this multiple, multi-acre land that you don't even see your neighbors. So that's why. Um, No, I, I I. I agree with you on the short term on the long term I think I would I would disagree with you uh it kind of just depends on the culture I guess if if a certain area wants to maintain right if they because eventually you get to a point of you're so developed maybe you lose those you know agricultural roots because now it's just a big thriving city right or something um but yeah, I mean, only, only time will tell. I, I, I'm interested to see, especially since you're talking about people migrating and moving, right, of what's going to happen with these big companies now allowing, and we talked about that, I think, this, this week, you and I had, I had a private conversation about some of the implications on the real estate market of some of these companies allowing their employees to either work, well, fully remote right, um, or actually change locations. Now, there is talk of these companies having to – you'll be able to work remote or work from home a couple days a week. But, I mean, realistically, if you're thinking about that, you're probably still staying within the area that you're in, right? Um, but, yeah, it'll it will be interesting.
1: And, and you're starting to see that. You're starting to see a divergence um, because another – piece that, and that's going to be more of a long-term because I do think that there's going to be some states, especially states and cities that thrived on having a very big concentration of workers where they were coming into offices um, and there were huge headquarters. I think some of that is going to come back. It's going to swing back. I think some companies are fully committed to working remote, but some of them are going to say, hey, we want the person-to-person interaction. Um, and I, I kind of agree with, I personally love working remote. Um, I, am somebody that I make a point to call my friends, um, regularly, even though a lot of them don't pick up the phone and answer or, uh, call me back because, you know, they're antisocial. Um, we're busy, my friend, we're busy. Right. Um, however, but there's a lot of people that don't make the effort to call anyone. Probably my friends are these, these examples. And so if they're working remote, um, You know, what's that going to do for people's mental health after a year or so of just basically being locked in a house, working from home, and then they don't leave their house at the end of the day to go? I don't think these
0: people are just staying in their house, though, if they're working at another area that's not near the office or their headquarters, wherever it would be, right? You got
1: a lot of antisocial people. You walk around these days. Everybody's in their phone. They're just – they're not looking at each other smiling. It's just – it's not good. Um But
0: I mean, most people have been wearing masks for a year, so maybe they have been smiling. You just haven't noticed. You ever think of that? Maybe, maybe, but I want to go back to my question real quick, or I guess a side question on how I mentioned there are now different marketplaces being created. And I guess they're not different marketplaces. They have existed um, to a certain social class. uh, And in regards to what I'm saying is now it's more publicly available these these sort of like wine markets, uh, private real estate or commercial real estate shares, right? Cryptocurrencies, uh, shoe collections, where you can buy, as I mentioned, be be in equity or even some of these. Uh, the the latest thing, I guess, that's that's directly related to ours is is equity crowdfunding, right? um where now it's no longer just for angel investors and private investors but now there's a there's a way that the retail investor can even with a small amount of money join with other retail investors to purchase an equity stake in some of these startups uh so two questions on that one which you kind of already answered uh believing the free markets but two would you actually participate in any of those? Like, do you think you yourself would be comfortable dipping some money into buying some wine? I know you don't drink, but no, no. no, no.
1: Cause I, so let me, let me back up there. There are certain assets out there that are hard assets that maintain value. Right. Um, But I think that there's a difference between those assets and we'll call them luxury assets. I mean, I think if you look at the historical data, like paintings, um, wine, typically those climb in value at peaks in the market, in my opinion. Now, depending upon what you're buying, it will maintain and be a store of value, but I'm not a billionaire um, where I can kind of make that hedge and Uh, I think when we broaden that to the retail investor and what retail people are buying these days, to me, it's just, I'm not going to be getting involved in any crowdfunding ventures or, you know, trying to make something hold value that historically did not, uh, especially if it doesn't have a business use, um, so like these NFTs that people are buying, mm-hmm. um, I mean, come on, come on. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's a sign that there's too much cash in the economy. It's floating around. People are looking for a place to store it and they're running out of room. Because uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to buy bonds with low interest rates? A lot of people are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, are you going to buy real estate? Again, low interest rates, prices of homes have skyrocketed. Um, so some people are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, are you going to buy equities? Um, you know, some people are definitely doing that. Um, but there's also some people that aren't comfortable doing that. So when we talk about some of these people that are buying these assets that are out there, um they're they're just, they're looking for something to buy. I mean, so I guess, you you know, you asked me a question. Let me, let me throw a question back your way. That's totally not related to what you, that you asked, unless you have something you want to piggyback on what I just said. Um, Recently, some of the states now are rejecting the, you know, those unemployment benefits because they're finding uh, that their businesses, especially small businesses, are having trouble finding employees because people are making too much money not working and i think it's it's not half but it's close it's like 21 or 23 states have made the decision to say nope we don't want that federal help um and then the other roughly half are saying yes we'll take that help what's your opinion on on that uh i guess that unemployment that monthly unemployment
0: well, I want to go back to your statement real quick and then just remind me about your question because I'm looked, i looking it up right now. There's an S&P Global Luxury Index. All right. And on a 10-year return, so I'm looking at the you know, S&PGlobal.com. On a 10-year return, uh, it's showing that the S&P Global Luxury Index had a total return of about 11.67% where the S&P 500 uh, has a return of about So, I mean, if you're really talking about the validity of some of these luxury good assets being in an index, I mean, there is, they are holding, preserving value and actually having a return. I mean, if I'm looking at the one year now, unfortunately, this one year now that we're into the end of May going into June, right? You're looking at a comparison here, Of the Global Luxury Index, that's a one-year return of 83.63% and the S&P 500 of 38.10%. Now, again, you know me. I'm not preaching to anyone listening to this podcast. Go invest into the Global Luxury Index, right? Um, I myself do not have any sort of, I guess, money put into this or uh, full disclosure into any of the wine stuff. I'm just curious, right? Because... You, I do hear it and you, you're actually right. Um, typically, the times that I hear about, oh, investing in wine, investing in watches or art and stuff like that is once we're following a very bullish market, right? Which is probably why the performance has been so well since since the bottom. But I don't know. I think there might be there might be something there. Uh, I'd have to do some more research, research and maybe we'll talk about that in the next podcast. But, you know, those returns... Do say something in regards to the P P F- five hundred.
1: They're saying what they're saying. I think is that this is this bull market has run for a long time, and by the official standards, right? People would say, oh, the bull market ended when we had that thirty percent drop uh, during COVID. I mean, from a technically de- de- technical definition standpoint, yes, the bull market ended, and you, they would argue that a new one has started, but I don't think because of the amount of uh, monetary manipulation in the market, I don't think that that holds true. I think we're this has to be considered the same bull market, at least from a stock market standpoint, the same bull market that we've been on. So when we talk about all oh, these returns over the course of a year, I mean, it's hard to compare it against historical numbers because we've also never historically had this much involvement from the fed and the treasury and just overall, and just worldwide, not just here in the U S that's pushing these markets up. So it's made this run go longer. So I'm always worried about the bottom falling out. and, And I know you are too. I'm not, you know, it's not that you're not either, but it's, it's one of those things where, when I look at some of these returns um, I'm, I'm just seeing behavior that if you had seen this behavior behavior during the dot-com boom or the 0809 right prior to the 0809 crash you would have seen that behavior and you and it would have ended up predicting the next you know that we're at a peak um, but right now we're not seeing that that peak has happened because I think that there's just, it's, it, you can't call it. No one ever really, very few people are able to predict it. Um, and and if even you though few, there's,
0: you might argue that they're lucky.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that there's, uh, even if they are able to predict it, there's just, that's just luck, you know? Um, because there were plenty of people that quote unquote were calling that, Hey, we're at a peak, but they called it too early. Right.
0: Before the they, bottom. Yeah. You get on both sides.
1: Yeah. They, 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 started getting bearish two years, three years before, Um, so it's kind of semantics on that side. Um, so yeah, I, I I just, I'm not going to play there and, and that's, that's
0: that's fair. I mean, to, to your own volition, right. And I mean, full disclosure. So the, the global luxury index is actually comprised of 80 of the largest publicly traded companies engaged in the production or distribution of luxury goods or the provision of luxury services that meet specific investability assets or requirements. So I guess it's not directly the underlying assets of the wines and arts themselves, but of the companies that, that are involved in that. So, I mean, I, I, in the, in the, in regards to that, I, I would say I actually disagree with you on some things. Um, I think it's more just on a preference of what your investable philosophy or style is, right? And considering our backgrounds, we are more comfortable with the traditional financial instruments, right? Um, To to that point, I do agree that individuals should be allowed to trade or quote-unquote invest into these items. And I think there is some validity to them. Uh, but as we've learned value and price are basically eyes of the behol- on the eyes of the holder, right? How do you determine price where well, it's essentially that price is determined on by whoever purchased that asset or sold that asset last. Right. right. Um, but I think the way our society is growing with globalization and more people being able to connect, I think having the ability to sell different instruments you see this because you're seeing this right with just large corporations of themselves amazon is a great example of they have the ability to sell i don't know this headset that i'm using right now not just to the u.s but abroad and how do they determine that well you know it is a it is a product um they are in a way purchasing the materials or buying this headset and then reselling it to another individual which who are we to say that doing that so much in the wine market or the collector's market is not um, not to be appreciated, I guess, or viewed at the same kind of standpoint? Does that make sense?
1: That makes sense. I mean, I think – but I think uh, where the measure happens is typically – think of it like, like uh, the population of the world – there's far more people that are poor and then, than there are in any other strata. And as you climb that economic ladder, there becomes fewer and fewer people, right? And Great, when you yeah. think of a luxury, a luxury item. Usually a luxury item is a luxury item because it has scarcity. It has a rare, it's rare. It's, it's not a common piece. Uh, so what happens though is,
0: but you can say that with the NFTs. Not, that's, that's one of the things that people are viewing it as NFTs are the original, right? You're just making it more digital. I mean, to give you an example, right, to go on your thing, if we're talking about art, right, how much would I pay for the Mona Lisa if I had over billions of dollars? I wouldn't pay anything for it because it to me, it's nothing right. like. Right. It brings no value to me, and I honestly I don't know that space enough to be like, oh yeah, I'll view this as an investment. I'll pay. I don't know what the price of the Mona Lisa currently is right now, but I'll pay one hundred and fifty million dollars, and I'll probably get an appreciation of t- you know, two hundred million dollars later.
1: Yeah, the Mona but Lisa. You are taking
0: that risk, but what I'm saying is. I, I appreciate the fact that now we are having these kind of markets providing access to those retail investors. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of these are probably scams or like the valuation that they're putting on these assets are overvalued, but you can say that with traditional assets, right? I mean, right. we talk well, about that in this podcast all the yeah, time, Yeah. but-
1: But that's there, circles back. that circles back to what I'm saying though, because- There's there's a point now where because there's so much money everywhere that you could argue. I don't know of a single. um, I don't look at any single asset class, whether it's real estate, stocks, bonds. I don't look at any single one where I'm thinking, oh, that's a really undervalued area of the market. Right. The overall economy. I don't I just don't see it. Now, there's there's areas that have that are more overvalued than others there's some that I would put at fair value they're not cheap but they're fair value but the problem now is is we have way more areas of the market overall economy that are overvalued so my contention with these pieces of art or whether it's wine or whatever is to your point about it's giving access to people You know, a lot of these areas, they were always expensive, but when you now have, instead of let's say 50 people bidding, like some of these art pieces, you, they would have extreme value, but they also, the people bidding on them were multi-billionaires and there were few people bidding on them. Right now you have these valuations that are, they're going into, into items that are not rare. Or even if they are rare, there's so many more people bidding on them that it's bidding up the price beyond where it would have been. Even if it's high already, right? Like, let's say it would have been at X, but now it's two times X. And
0: I just yeah, but that's just that's just the market environment we're in, right?
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: you can talk about that with real estate if we were literally just talking about moving to Texas. And I was just speaking with the realtor the other day. And she was thinking of, uh, you know, having a, uh, an account for opportunities to go into real estate and telling me, well, the market right now is just, just it's too hot right now. And it's, I mean, it's the same uh, mechanics, right? You're having these people all place bids and overbidding each other for the same house that probably already appreciated significantly just due to the supply-demand dynamics. Right. Um,
1: but let's 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 take let's take a step back on that, right? You just you made a good point there. Okay? You talked to a realtor who said that, that, right? Um I I was speaking to a mortgage officer uh what was it? Last week or 2 weeks ago where she made the comment that the local real estate market was almost embarrassing. She was she was almost ashamed of it about how high it had gotten, right? And those are people that are in the real estate market, right? So essentially, what they're saying is, by those statements, is the real estate market is too hot, overvalued, right? If you talk to a financial advisor right now, I I would challenge you to find a real a a financial advisor and be like, oh, the market's cheap, the stock market's cheap, right? Now some are bullish in the sense that they will say, some might say, oh, I think the market's going to go up, but they're not saying, you know, they, they do think that the market is is expensive on an overall basis. You know, you talk to a lot of people, that's what they're going to say. I mean, that's what I think. I think that. Um, so you're 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 talking to people that are in these industries that have those views on the industries that they are quote unquote experts in, right? And then you have people going into these markets that are you know, basically rah, rah, I'm going to buy AMC stock because, you know, I'm an anti-capitalist and I want to fight the system or, you know, I'm going to buy real estate because, you know, it's it's whatever. It just, you know, it, to me, it's like if you have your head on straight, it's kind of uh, it should give people at least some pause. I would not be doing any diving into the deep, pool, uh, deep end of the pool at this point.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, right, and we just mentioned it earlier, you have inflation. So, okay, you're not putting it into any of these markets. You're leaving it in cash where your purchasing power is actually eroding?
1: No, no, no. I I wouldn't say that. But uh,
0: You're looking for opportunities out there in different markets that you find. Now, of course, we can talk generalities right uh, but there's always there's always those diamonds in the rougher in the sand yeah. whatever, the, whatever I mean you got to be
1: is. you have to be diversified i'm not going to give anybody free investment advice on this podcast so you know it's uh i'm not gonna be- <laughs> it's for educational
0: <laughs> purposes
1: <laughs> yeah no um but uh again awareness people right this is where you the days of just you know saying hey let's just chill and you know just live in the world, everything sunshine and rainbows is, those days are gone. Okay. That was the 1900s. We're in the new century and things are going to get tough. So, um, but go, let's, let's go back to my question about, uh, the, the $300, the unemployment. You're
0: going to have to remind me to give me the so quick So
1: Basically, quick basically the there's a bunch of States that are rejecting the federal, a uh, monthly unemployment of $300. The reason being is because you have people that when you combine it with the existing unemployment benefits that people are getting either from the fits federal or state level, they're making too much money, right? It makes it more sense for them to not work than to work. And so then people are trying to hire people and they can't find anyone. Um, and I, I mean, Jamie, talk,
0: Jamie Diamond was talking about that uh, yeah. when the banking CEOs were talking to Congress or speaking yeah. to Congress.
1: So okay. I'm curious what your opinion is. Basically right now, half the states roughly, it's a little bit less than half are rejecting that. And then there's the other states that are still accepting that money. Right. So, I mean, I'm of the opinion I'll give, I'll, let me simplify this a little bit. I'm of the opinion that if somebody has the opportunity to not work and make Let's say $40,000 a year or work and make $40,000 a year. I think that they should have to work. Okay. If you have a job offer, right, you should have to work. Okay. Even if it is for the same amount of money that you would make unemployed, because we're, we're humans, this is society. You, what's your you question have to be a productive member so my question is is what do you think that's good do you think that there's going to be a huge distortion between the states that are um not accepting that money versus the ones that are because on a like being, a productivity level or what do you productivity I, overall economic uh prosperity you know kind of um you know just the overall economy within those states like or anything. It could be societal. I mean, what do you think is, is going to be a, I, I guess, a result of that?
0: Um, I mean, if you're talking about a comparison level of productivity, I guess it depends on the state. So I'd have to, I need more information for that. If you're talking about my my opinions on states rejecting that, uh, like I can understand that premise, right? I mean, we, we want ideally people to get back into work and I have been reading that I mean we were just talking about housing how there are some developers having difficulty basically finding uh, finding workers right um, and especially if you have one component that you're not able to find a work for the workforce that you need and then your input costs would you know timber what have you uh, is is growing or at a higher cost well, that just makes things even even more difficult. So, I mean, this entire environment that we're in, regarding the amount of f- fiscal and monetary stimulus that we're receiving, we're receiving, and not just in the United States but globally, is essentially, in my mind, just a global experiment of uh, modern monetary theory. Of will we be able to to get out of this? No. Uh,
1: the answer is no. It's going to be a failure. <laughs>
0: Well, well, only time will tell. Let's be real. Only time will tell. I mean, I hope that productivity will pick back up um, to be able to sustain some of these valuations. Um, I'm not saying that it will. I hope the best thing I can do is really just look at the data that's available and talk to as many people as I can and manage a portfolio, you know, adjust based on the conditions uh rejecting rejecting those proposals i think the state should be allowed to do that and if they if they believe that that's how they'll raise productivity i mean i'm not i've mentioned this before right i'm i'm not envious of of those people in the positions to make those political decisions because well i don't want to be in that position that's why i'm not in politics uh
1: I mean, that's not hard. I think that's not really that hard of a decision. I mean, you just got to have the courage of knowing what is, what is right. You know, I mean, it's, it goes back to not to get biblical here, but goes back to, uh, you know, do you teach a man to fish or do you give him a fish? I think you teach a man to fish. So he's never hungry again. Right. Whereas some people want to just give out the fish and, you know, if you do that, you're, you're creating a, uh, basically people that are, they don't know how to feed. But themselves.
0: what do you do in the meantime while the man doesn't know how to fish and oh, you're teaching him how to fish?
1: I mean, these people have worked before, right? You just go back to work. <laughs> I mean, it's called, I mean, I'll give you an example. I was looking at, uh, some restaurant signs. I was, I was getting some food. Uh, what was it last week? And there was a restaurant advertising for 20 an hour, uh, for people to come work at this restaurant. They couldn't find anybody. And I know of businesses that are offering higher than 20 an hour to work and they can't find anybody. That's that is insane. I mean, that is that is a sign that people have too much. Yeah,
0: that's that's nuts. I mean, minimum wage when when I first got into the workforce, it was like like eight bucks an hour. I would have loved to have a twenty dollar plus an hour salary.
1: I mean, great. for, for those of people who don't, I mean, a lot of people, anybody who listens to this probably doesn't know me, but I came into the workforce out of college, okay, college degree. My first job was an internship, part-time, making $10 an hour, okay? I could have probably claimed unemployment the day I got out of out of college, you know, because I, I came out during the 8 09 crisis, right, the bottom, 2010. So I could have done that, right? But, you know, I take pride in myself and, and working hard. And, you know, I got a job and I started, let's, you know, say at the bottom. I mean, there were obviously worse jobs than than making 10 bucks an hour at that time. Uh, but it's not a highly paid job, right? Now you have people that won't even take a $20 an hour job. I mean, again, I mean, it's, it's just natural. So, yeah, I, uh, we'll see. We'll see what the economic... Uh, ramifications will be um but yeah inflation seems to be here and I think I think that's something that uh it's it's going to get worse and people I think people I guess what I'm trying to say is people are going to start feeling it more I I think people very easily do not uh track that um, on a day-by-day basis until it's you know, one day they just notice. wow, I'm paying $2 more per gallon in gas than I was a year ago, right? So.
0: Yeah, well, only time will tell that if this all works out or if this all works out or what will occur. Any final thoughts on your end before we wrap this up?
1: Uh, yeah, let's just let's get done with COVID. I want to start uh, getting a life again. Um, so, Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know, man. I think COVID COVID's here to stay, especially because you have countries like India that are still having difficulties and, uh, you know, and then different strains are coming out. We'll see. But as I mentioned, only time will tell. All right. Well, until next time, it's been great talking to you, everybody. The close. opinions expressed in this program are for general pur- informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate to you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember, investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.